0: Welcome to the CFI Podcast, hosted by Canadian Forest Industries Magazine, Canada's leading national logging and solid wood products magazine since 1881. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends in the logging and wood products industries with experts from across Canada.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the CFI Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Cools, editor of Canadian Forest Industries magazine. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Keta Kosman, owner of Madison's Lumber Reporter, which provides news, prices, and insights on the North American softwood lumber market. We'll be discussing something that I know is top of mind for everyone in Canada's forest industry, the 2021 North American lumber market. We'll also be reflecting on the lumber prices and demand we saw in 2020, some of the main concerns for distributors and buyers, and other trends that we've seen. Kata, thanks for joining us today. Ah, no problem. So before we get into uh, your forecast for 2021, I wanted to reflect on the very beginning of 2020 before COVID-19 really impacted North America. Looking back, 2019 was not a great year for the forest industry with weak lumber demand and low prices in Canada. So heading into 2020, what were you originally expecting to see for the market?
0: Right, so yes, 2019 was not very good um, through the whole year. 2018 had been quite nice, so it generally follows the home building cycle, specifically in the US, and um, just there towards the end of 2019, November and December, the Housing Starts data was starting to look a bit better, and uh, January and February, uh, even more improvements. So in February, we were like, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a good year. It's hitting the macroeconomic uh, cycle of uh, approximately six quarters or about every year and a half. The U.S. housing market uh, swings up and down. So when the uh, pandemic Implications started and the um, real effects were coming on in uh, April especially. That really put a hit on uh, what would have been a normal uh, uh, uptick in housing starts and therefore lumber sales. So we were sort of concerned about what would happen throughout the year and um, sort of into like June, it really became apparent that not only that pent up uh, real demand that was coming on uh, at the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 anyway, there was also the new demand for people moving out into the suburbs because they weren't driving to work anymore, people adding rooms or uh, fixing up something in their house or fixing up outside, uh, making a deck, things like that. So even though supply was still lower because a lot of the sawmills, especially in Canada, were still putting in their social distancing requirements, demand into mid-2020 was really, really strong and it was part of the normal cycle of increasing. U.S. housing starts every year and a half approximately and then the effects of um, the change from the pandemic and people uh, not going into the office every day.
1: Right. Yeah. When COVID-19 hit, basically, we saw lumber prices and demand drop because no one was going anywhere or doing anything. And then it skyrocketed in the summer. So, Uh, can you give an overview of the factors that drove that high demand and price uh, in Canada in 2020?
0: Yeah, for sure. There was a lull there uh, sort of in spring at the end of spring because between the lockdown and also don't forget that uh, Canada closed the border even for industrial. So there was a certain amount of time where lumber literally was not going into the U S and so, you know, that caused a big drop, uh, but it was temporary and it wasn't uh, necessarily market conditions. It was more things that the uh, sawmills couldn't control. And then when it uh, recovered, it shot up really by a lot more than it had uh, dropped. And uh, we're still actually seeing that now. Around September was the absolute high. Lumber prices nobody ever saw before, unstoppable demand, and mills still trying to come back up to the uh, higher levels of capacity. So it's a situation of multiple circumstances. That's still going on now, and, and added into that is the sort of regular um, increase in U.S. housing starts. Uh, people are looking to buy homes, uh, looking to buy new homes as those prices are going up. It's a uh, investment that regular people can understand. And so, even though we had a, a big drop temporarily, and then a, a high increase at the uh, middle of last year, the Momentum of the demand is still high right now.
1: And uh, with such high demand and prices, what were some of the main concerns for distributors and buyers over the past year?
0: Well, just being able to manufacture, literally. And it was all across the board. I mean, the sawmills and then the secondary suppliers, the wholesalers and the reloads. They had been uh, keeping inventory pretty low to the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 just because we were in the downswing of uh, sales in U.S. housing. And so there was quite a scramble for product uh, which just couldn't be served. And so one of the things that Madison's reports on regularly is sawmill order file, which means If you order, if you call a sawmill and order some wood right now, how long is it going to take before it even gets put on the production line? So, when demand is good and sales are up, you know, a four week, about one month is a pretty good order file. Uh, It means that the sawmill will quote you a price of what they think lumber is going to be in four weeks. And it has a seasonal. Uh, schedule is just as housing, um, you know, people don't generally want to go out and buy a new house in November and have to move during the holidays. So similarly, lumber sales follow a seasonal cycle. And um, during a time of normal high lumber sales in early spring, if an order file is uh, three to four weeks, it means the market is very strong. And we had like two months. It would take two months for a sawmill to start producing lumber that someone ordered, you know, in August. So that means prices are not going to go down. And right now, you know, in uh, beginning of February, it would start to be more an increase in sales. You know, the order file would go from a few days to maybe a couple of weeks at this time of year as uh, the large builders and the retailers start to order the wood that they're going to need in spring. And we have, last week when we did our market survey on Thursday, Western Sawmills order file was already into February 22nd. So things that happened last year, uh, both at the sawmills and at the larger in the market, are still continuing now.
1: Yeah, two months, that's really quite impressive. (laughs) So what was the log supply like in 2020 and how did that affect the market?
0: Yeah, the log supply was not bad. That's uh, something that the sawmills really need to be mindful of. Generally, the uh, logging season is the reverse time of year as the uh, lumber sales and uh, home sales Uh, in Canada. The sawmills can harvest in the winter when the ground is frozen and in early summer after the rain, but before it gets really hot out and the fire ban goes into effect. And so, like I was saying, the um, end of 2019 was a real question mark, but the mills sort of know what's going to happen in the spring. And so through last year, the log supply was not too bad. Um, The social distancing uh, requirements didn't really affect the forestry operation because those jobs are already relatively distant and you're outdoors. And one thing that I know At the end of 2020, before the year ended and uh, toward the uh, beginning of winter, all the sawmills were very, very well stocked up with logs. So while that might have been a touchy situation here and there last year, it's definitely not going to be a problem this year.
1: That's good to hear for sure. So I know there were also some troubles with transportation last year. Uh, What was the impact of that? Uh, it's still
0: it's still terrible, absolutely terrible. So especially in Canada, the sawmills rely on the railways. And generally, uh, like for example, in the West where there are quite remote locations, the sawmills rely on one or the other of the railway companies. And the railways don't really give priority to the sawmills. And there are a lot of inconsistencies. So a large operator in in a um, you know heavily capacity area like Prince George or something like that has a standing order for you know 40 rail cars a week or whatever it is and they'll they'll get 10 or nothing one week and then they'll get like 80 the next week and this the uh, railway companies charge demurrage on the rail cars that are sitting there and it it just really causes a problem because it's difficult to plan and it makes both the seller and the buyer spend a lot of time on the phone trying to figure out when is there wood arriving. So when you have a hot market of you know, high demand and good lumber sales, and on top of everything, your rail cars didn't arrive, there's a delay at the border, maybe there was a change with the duty, so the customs forms were changing around November. All these things don't help and it makes it uh, on a week-to-week basis when the mills are quoting their price, it just makes it really difficult. That's why sometimes you see, you know, a real change, like maybe a $50 change in price from one week to the next and then back down because the mills, they can't get their wood out, their yard is choking, and, and then the following week all the wood goes out, It's just really uh, hard to do business when one of your um, services is not being consistent and sort of not really treating you that well. And here in BC, you can't really truck, you know, in the more populated areas where things are closer together, especially in the US, uh, they can use trucks and it's not as bad, but uh, it's very not cost-effective in British Columbia to truck one load of lumber from, you know, Williams Lake across the border into wherever the there's a reload in Kelowna, for example. So.
1: Yeah, that definitely doesn't sound like the ideal situation. And there's um, a
0: seasonality to the railways as well. Like Christmas trees take priority, you know, products that are willing to pay a premium, like oranges in the wintertime coming up from Florida. And they just, the uh, railways just offset and they, they just simply won't send the rail cars to the sawmills for a couple of weeks. And it's it's um, definitely not a positive situation because the lumber manufacturers are like a strong, consistent customer. And it's it's a little bit like the dollar pays and it doesn't really, like in Canada where there's only the two railways uh, serving the forest industry, it, it, it doesn't make for a good situation at all.
1: Right. Yeah. I think it would be interesting if we could kind of hopefully fix that problem in the coming year or the next few years, kind of get better relations going i guess in terms of uh, the rail companies and lumber manufacturers.
0: Yeah, I know like the Forest Products Association of Canada tries and I know that like CN I've seen uh I've seen staff at various conferences for forestry and uh I don't really I haven't really seen much success in convincing them to just keep the consistent supply of rail cars that they are, you know, in a contract for with the sawmills.
1: Well, hopefully we do say a change in the next couple of years, um, but I guess the big question on everyone's minds right now, what do you think all this spells for the 2021 North American lumber market? Well, the uh, U.S.
0: housing activity for full year 2020 data came out uh, last week and uh, yesterday on Monday, and it is just unknown amounts of uh, sales, existing home sales, new home sales, house prices. This kind of, I mean, it could be a structural shift, but it it doesn't just work itself out in a couple of months. So we know for sure that what we see right now will last through this year. Quite a few people that I uh, look to, uh, economists and uh, real estate professionals, are saying two years, 24 months. One thing that is really important, apart from everything that's going on with the um, change in the work situation for the pandemic and people uh, leaving the cities and uh, buying homes uh, in the suburbs and uh, adding to their home is for last year for 2020 the largest cohort of first-time buyer was millennials so we're having now a demographic a large demographic entering the us housing market that has nothing to do with the pandemic and uh you know that's like 25 years worth of people so it's very very positive there's no blue sky you can't just raise the lumber price to whatever you want there is a limit there are replacement products people will look for other ways uh to you know five-story condo uh, townhouse units you know multifamily, and things like that so there's Ceiling on how high lumber prices can go, but it's very, very positive. Uh, People are asking me, you know, "Wow, $1,000 for a two by four back in September." It's that's pretty wild, and I'm like, "Yeah, but the volumes in September 2020 were still pretty low. So a sawmill would rather sell 40 rail cars at $600 than four rail cars at $1,000, right?" And that's the kind of supply-demand balance that we're going to see happen this year. Apart from this indicator of the U.S. housing, uh, which could lead into two years or more of uh, really strong home building and sales, over the Christmas break I saw a um, large equipment supplier, someone who provides uh, logging, harvesting, and truck for uh, you know big machinery posted that they were booked for 24 months solid. So they know that they have every single piece of equipment rented out for 24 months. And this isn't something like you just call and make a car rental. This is involves a credit letter and, you know, financing that's real. So definitely through this year, there will not be a slowdown and potentially also through
1: 2022. Yeah that's really exciting to hear that and very impressive for that company to be booked out for 24 months.
0: Yeah and so like back to the question about logs there there are some issues uh, you know you, same as you can't just put lumber prices as high as you want you can't just ramp up your sawmill as much as you want so everyone knows British Columbia there's the um, post mountain pine beetle and decrease in the allowable cut where there really isn't a, any other um, replacement for that in canada and also in the u.s south the southern pine belt there's sort of a maximum amount of uh, logs that are available and uh, the industry there is campaigning to have forests in the u.s forest service in the public lands um, there's a lot of states like oregon that literally don't allow harvesting and there's a little bit of the same situation there as we've had in BC where there was a real reduction in uh, timber harvest and also putting out the wildfires for about 25-30 years and some of that forest is now becoming decadent and really can't be used for anything. So there is a timber supply in parts of the US and uh, I would say in Canada also that could feed into the sawmills, but it's not guaranteed that it's going to be available, you know, right away.
1: So that will be interesting to see what happens there for sure. So do you think that kind of looking ahead as we continue vaccinating people against COVID-19 and consequently start to resume more normal life, we'll see lumber prices drop at all, given that fewer people will probably be spending their time on DIY home renovation projects and things like that?
0: Well, a lot of people say that there's a fundamental shift now. I mean, if you look at the um, folks who follow like employment trends, and that already uh, at the end of the summer last year, it was being reported that there's a significant amount of people who are not going to be going back to going to work every day because they have jobs that they can do. They don't need to go into work and they're going to keep that now, no matter what happens with vaccines and, and the pandemic. So, you know, how much. Activity that they're going to put into fixing up their house or buying a new home, you know that that remains to be seen. But we have a fundamental shift in the workforce across, you know, the Western world for more remote. And uh, people have already figured out how to do things online, have meetings, you know, all of this. Someone flying to another city to have a meeting for two hours and then flying back—that's pretty inefficient. So there's a change in that regard. Um, and it, it's really impossible to say, I would I would guess that uh, as time goes by, the home builders will figure out, you know, how to make a um, little office space or modular rooms in a home that can be both a guest room or, or a kid's room and an office, things like that. And what will happen with that, uh, I, I don't know. But for sure, people always need wood. You know, whatever it is that they're doing, even if they're doing like concrete forming or multifamily construction, they still need wood, and so I would say we're not going to see a reverse to this momentum. We might not see prices go up anymore much higher because they're already pretty high, but I would venture we're not going to see prices go down.
1: Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, So given that the demand for housing in the U.S. and Canada is so high, do you think that we'll see any difficulties in terms of keeping up with it for sawmills and for uh, suppliers?
0: Well, the um, capacity utilization rates in Canada are low. They call them the super mills here in BC. You know, they're optimized to run at uh, 95% capacity. Uh, a lot of them have three lines, three shifts, so they're made to run 24 hours a day. Even almost immediately after they were built, they did not reach. You know, the um, housing crash of 2006. There was not enough demand to serve that, and the duty until the administrative review took effect in november the duty was really high it was you know 20 25 percent and it really did put an incentive on uh, the customer to buy u.s lumber so there's still quite a bit of room for canadian capacity to increase um, which it should it should do and that will bring more volume that would bring more wood onto the market But like I was saying, you know, if you have a four to six week order file, the price is not going to go down. And a lot of times in um, a normal business cycle, the secondary suppliers, the wholesalers, the reloads, and even the retailers will stock up on inventory uh, when they see the price is low. They're speculating, you know, people are thinking, ooh, it's, it's low now, the price is going to go up, I'm going to buy. And there's a lot of wood available. You don't have to buy from the sawmill. That's not the case now nobody it's been like two years since anyone's been stocking inventory because 2019 you know it wasn't you know it didn't look good and why would i buy wood and have it sitting in my yard for eight months so even though the um there's quite a bit of room for the sawmill uh, capacity utilization rates to increase and more lumber to be produced it still will keep prices up The the demand, the demand is just unknown levels and it will not slow down. And so sawmills are hiring people, they're uh, ordering logs from the harvesters, and they're just trying to not fall behind with supply,
1: never mind even keeping up with demand. It's definitely an interesting time. Um, and there are some sawmills like West Fraser, they've added additional shifts at uh, their Ladysmith sawmill, Ladysmith sawmill after reducing capacity in 2019. And then Resolute in Ontario, they're restarting their Ignace sawmill. So do you think that assuming this demand stays steady, as you've said, we'll see more sawmills come online or adding capacity this year? Well, absolutely. So there's there's a
0: little bit of a question there because uh, some sawmills were curtailed because demand was low in 2019, but other sawmills were curtailed because their log supply uh, around close by was diminished. So that is an economic question. When lumber prices are, you know, let's say, 400 like that's pretty good for uh, western spruce 2x4 it is not economic for your log truck to go further than 200 kilometers to get uh, timber but when lumber prices are you know 900 like they are right now maybe that's and gas prices are low because people aren't driving that changes the economics so I know that operators are looking at that kind of thing and they're, and it's quite expensive to restart a sawmill so you don't want to do it for just for six months, right? So uh, potentially marginal mills that had to curtail for some of these reasons in the past few years, they might be able to find a way to um, ramp back up now and uh, you know they would expect for a year or two. But the other thing is the higher value products. So it really never was such a great idea to just pump out as many two by fours as you can. There's a lot of uh, demand in Asia and other parts of the world for higher value products like veneers. The cross laminated uh, mass timber is really taking off Um, composites. You know, these can be made out of lower quality trees, peeler logs and actually sell for more. So what I would think is some of these primary sawmills that were, you know, just making dimensional lumber, if they were uh, adjusted or retrofitted to make a higher value product where they could utilize uh, some of the lower quality trees that they can't make two by fours out of because they're bent or things like that, then that would really be uh, something I would uh, sort of expect to see coming up soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in my own experience, just writing stories about the industry, we're seeing a lot more about uh, value-added products. So it's definitely, I think, a trend that's starting, and hopefully, will continue.
0: You know, it's a it's a situation of um, architects being educated, and I see a lot of opportunity for architects and builders to learn about these materials and how to use them, and and as more uh, of this kind of construction is done. It'll pick up momentum um, in the beginning when it was um, still rather new, two or three years ago. It was uh, public buildings, definitely like senior centers and community centers in Japan, in the UK, in Germany, all these countries, Australia, a little bit in Canada. And and once people start seeing it, they start using it, and then it becomes instead of being like a niche uh, specialty thing, it becomes more normal. There's a few real advantages to the cross-laminated mass timber buildings of um, cost, how quick it is to build uh, fire uh, suppression, and of course, the beauty of, of wood as opposed to concrete and steel. So I do think that Canadian manufacturers are aware of that, and they're just you know, keeping in line with what the builders and the architects are learning and, you know, I would hope would be ready with product as that demand starts to um, become more uh, volumes.
1: Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more public interest and awareness about mass timber buildings and the opportunities that that presents. So it will be uh, interesting to see what happens in the next few years in that regard. So overall, what are the main things that suppliers and buyers need to kind of watch out for in this coming year?
0: Well, I certainly hope we don't have anything like a forest fire. I wouldn't expect a labor situation because I'm hearing that uh, these people who are getting hired on, their uh, wages are good and there's a lot of overtime. Those are the things that uh, often impact timber supply, lumber supply uh, during the summer, Weather, you know... One of the reasons why the U.S. housing activity was so strong all the way to the end of 2020, uh, 2020 was because the winter came on rather mild. So now we're having, you know, the storms are coming in and the snow and the ice is there. So that that kind of thing puts a stall on uh, both production and demand. Trade issues, people were asking me, oh, now that uh, President Biden, you know, will the duty come off? And I have to say that Really doesn't matter which party is in power. The U.S. Uh, lumber, the campaigning there is always on to keep the duty up. And actually, historically, the Democrat charge a higher duty than the Republicans. And we've seen recently U.S. import of logs from Europe. People ask me about it all the time, and it's like it's not worrisome. It's like one percent of you know, use that's a supply side issue because Europe got hit with a really bad spruce beetle, and um, those trees degrade incredibly fast, and they can't even log them fast enough before they're useless. So, there's a few things like that. Canada, you know, generally speaking, the US is a customer for 65% of Canadian lumber, it used to be about 85%, but that's dropped for various reasons. Canada itself is about 10%. And Japan is about 6%. The Japanese uh, purchases are for premium number one grade and the Canadian U.S. Uh, standard grade two and better. So I think as long as the industry, you know, stays diversified, looks for where is the best value they can get from every tree. There's been a lot of optimizing already done. The mills are quite efficient. Uh, one of the efficiencies, unfortunately, is mechanization. So fewer staff can make more lumber, but it does save cost for the sawmill. And um, I guess the exchange rate would be the other thing. The Canadian dollar is getting stronger uh, against the U.S., and that's um, actually a really big deal for every uh, tenth of a penny that the Canadian dollar gains. It's, it's quite a big decrease in the profits of a uh, Canadian lumber company selling um, in U.S. dollars.
1: So what do you expect to see in the next, like, five to ten years in terms of um, the lumber market, given That the housing market in the US and to a degree in Canada is so undersupplied at the moment?
0: Definitely for the first couple of years, more of the same. You know, it'll be interesting to see when January uh, housing starts and home sales come out. But uh, I would expect this spring, which is the normal season for construction or groundbreaking and uh, home sales to be very, very strong. And the momentum from, like I was saying, the regular macroeconomic cycle and the cohort of the millennials being the largest percentage of the first-time buyers to carry through at least for a couple of years. I can't really look forward beyond that. There's too many things uh, that are unknown. You know, we're seeing uh, some, some really scary things happening, like in Portugal, where the hospitals just simply can't keep up with ICU beds for the uh, people who are infected. The travel restrictions, you know, there's there's rules that are being made sort of on a daily basis that uh, no one can predict. But the fact is that, you know, people need somewhere to live. Housing is a equity that people understand. They don't really understand the stock market. You know, a lot of people maybe don't want to get involved in that. But they do understand, like, the houses on my street have increased in value. I've always wanted to live, you know, here let's just move and in 10 years, that house is going to be worth more. So sort of basic lifestyle situation, I would see continuing to be quite positive for at least for five years, if not for 10 years.
1: Well, I look forward to seeing how things play out in the market over the coming years and especially this year as we hopefully see a return to more normal life
0: yeah and like you know people should subscribe to Madison's because a lot of the data that I'm talking about, like the housing starts that's from that's always one month ago. Home sales and house prices are two months ago. The sawmill capacity uh, utilization that's like three or four months uh behind the lumber prices are this week, and it really lets you know what kind of up and down to expect in um all of these other areas sort of going forward, it gives people a chance to plan, and uh, we don't just um, post the prices, we also give the market commentary of how I was explaining about inventory, uh, sawmill order file, rail car supply, things like that, really gives you an on-time view of what's happening right now, and people can sort of make their own, what they think the indications are for the future.
1: Right, yeah, I know we uh, share your Weekly update, and everyone is always very interested to read that, so definitely a good thing. Yeah, that's just a little snapshot.
0: The the full um, list of prices that we cover, there's 450 different items, and um, what I put on my website and provide for for you guys is uh, just the top six, and uh, so happy to bring that on to keep people informed about um, the situation for uh, right now.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that's great. And thanks, Ketta, for taking the time to speak with me today. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the CFI podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.